welcome to the Daughters Project podcast. We're so glad you're here. Join us this season as we get to know some of our sisters, as well as women from all walks of life, as they gather around the mics every week. You can find out more about our work at thedaughtersproject.com and on social media at Daughter St. Paul. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Daughters Project podcast. I am Sister Tracy coming to you from Chicago, Illinois, and I'm stationed here in our community of the Daughters of St. Paul. And I am Sister Benedicta, and I'm stationed here in Boston, where we have our provincial mother house of the Daughters of St. Paul. And it's such a blessing to come to you all again for this podcast and to share with you uh, a little bit more about a new topic, which is this beautiful area of womanhood and femininity and what the Lord has to show us about his gifts for us as women. And um, we kind of know a little bit about it because we are women, <laughs> first of all, <laughs> and um, and we live in a, a community of women, mm-hmm. other religious women, women who have felt the call to to follow Jesus in a very kind of radical way as women religious, as sisters. One of the things that is neat about this uh, podcast is that we can kind of open the window, open the door a little bit, crack a little, and um, show people, you know, like what happens in uh, religious life and what happens in the convent. And one of the ways we do that is through sharing some of the things that we overhear in the convent. Indeed. uh, (laughs) Sometimes it's kind of a little little weird. Sometimes it's pretty funny. (laughs) So recently um, we have one of our sisters, she just, just got called by Jesus into her eternal reward. So a few days ago, she was, um, she was on her deathbed and the Lord called her and she went. So Mm -hmm. before that, she really was a tremendous woman and um, great spirit, great joy. And, uh, just a wonderful sister. And as she has gotten older, you know, she did go through a bit of just forgetfulness and, you know, dealing with all the ramifications of that. And as she um, had to become more and more bedridden and have to have oxygen to help her breathe, she would get a little feisty, you know, I mean, come on, you guess which, which actually was, which actually was her personality to begin with. So right. she just kept the feisty is really, oh yeah, happened. the feisty yeah. stayed and talk about, you know, women's gifts. Well, it's all about accepting <laughs> what we're given, right? So, and living it up. So she was getting a little uncomfortable with all these wires and hoses coming out of her. So she starts pulling on them and there are two sisters that are staying with her and, you know, with her and And so at one point, one of the sisters said, you know, sister, those are there to help you breathe. So you want to leave those in. And she kind of let them go. And then time went on and she started pulling on them again and kind of fidgeting. And so the (laughs) sister who was sitting next to the other sister who had spoken reinforced what the first sister said, oh, sister, those are there for you, you know, to help you breathe and you can't pull them out. And so she looked at both of them and she says, is there anybody else here I can talk to? <laughs> I love that so much. And so it's like, you know, can I speak to your manager? please? <laughs> and right. it's like, give me recourse, you know? <laughs> and I think oh, that's, I you so know, much. that's the thing that we love with each other is that sometimes, you know, we got to deal with stuff that are, isn't comfortable and we can only, all we can do is gather together and um, try to support each other. And that's yeah. what this podcast is really about. 
right? Amen. Amen. So I think it's great now that we can um, introduce our first guest. I'm so excited to introduce our guest. She's such a wonderful person. Um, so we have today with us Corinne Starsenik, who is the founder and director of The Catholic Woman, and she is the editor of our upcoming book, A Place to Belong. And I'm just so super excited to have you with us today, Corinne. Um, we got to meet a little bit when you came to Boston last year. And so I've just been really looking forward to this. So good morning and welcome. Good morning. Thank you guys so much for having me on. It's great to have you. It is. Would you want to just give a little bit of an introduction to yourself, who you are, where you're, where you're living, all that kind of stuff? Yes. Uh, so I'm Corinne um, and I am the founder and director of The Catholic Woman. Uh, and I live in the northern Kentucky, Cincinnati area with my husband and our toddler, Eloise, and our baby, um, six-month-old, Ezra. Oh, uh, so yeah, yeah. My husband, Nick, is a full-time director and cinematographer, and he works from home for the most part. And then I work from home on The Catholic Woman here. So we're like a full work-from-home family. It's a very fun, lively dynamic in our house most <laughs> days. Uh, so yeah, and they are, they are out of the house right now. So, uh. so, so Corinne, so what is The Catholic Woman? Yes. So the Catholic woman is basically, it's been a multimedia platform nonprofit for young Catholic women, um, sort of a place online where, where, you know, our mission has been to illustrate the many faces and vocations of women in the church to um, help young women know that they have a place here. It started back in March of 2017 uh, with just like posting letters, interviews, and films uh, featuring lots of different Catholic women from you know, all different walks of life, really trying to highlight all the diversity of women in, in the church, um, but also the, the diversity of which women are living out the feminine genius um, mm -hmm. and being able to just kind of create one space online that displays the, the beauty of that. Mm. So yeah, uh, so we post yeah, letters, interviews, and films, um, and then we have this wonderful book coming out. Uh, this year. And then uh, later this year as well, we'll have a, uh, a film program come out as well. That'll be more of like an educational resource for women. So. Wow. Yeah. The Very ever cool. elusive term feminine genius. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be talking about that, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. We're going to explain awesome. it all the way, right? Oh, totally. <laughs> no questions remaining. Unpacking that one for a while. <laughs> but before that maybe we, um Corinne you can talk a little bit about your own story um like what what brought you to be so passionate about um being a woman and and telling her story and all of the different stories that you tell um i'm sure that didn't just kind of drop out of the sky for you no so it came probably from two different things so so one i so i'm a convert mm -hmm. um i came into the church when I was 19 back in 2014. So when I, I, I came from like a non-denominational evangelical background and, um, and honestly, like kind of an anti-Catholic background as well. Like a lot of the people, the church leaders uh, I knew, or like even like community members were very anti-Catholic. So I had some really terrible reservations about Catholics, especially Catholic women. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, when I first started learning about Catholicism in kind of like a, a different setting and was able to start like taking it seriously and like actually considering what it is. Um, it was much more than I had ever thought it to be. Uh, Can I ask how, how did you start to even think about it or look yeah. into it? Like that just is like, how do you go from anti-Catholic to now I'm reading about it? Yeah. 
Yeah, so my boyfriend. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, it was my husband now. Um, okay. okay. Um, yeah, so Nick, my husband, who I will probably, I'm guessing I'll probably talk about him a lot. Um, we, uh, we, we've known each other for a very long time. Uh, so we were friends through high school and we started dating, um, I think, our senior, about our senior year of high school. Uh, and when Nick and I started dating, I was like, well, he's Catholic and we're gonna have to work through that, but he's a smart guy and you know, he'll figure out that the Catholic church isn't the place he should be. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, I would like brainstorm arguments I could use against him and uh, like the classic evangelical arguments against, against Catholicism. And it just led to so many like great conversations, lots of studying together. Um, Cause you know, I would ask questions that Nick like wouldn't know the answer to. So we would end up sitting and learning more about the church together anyway it was really great I, I don't necessarily recommend dating someone and like converting to, to, to their religion necessarily um but uh but it was so uh, I think that was like the way for me to actually you know kind of take Catholicism seriously I, I just confronted with it from somebody who I loved and cared about and kind of you know brought it into a new light in a way that I hadn't seen it as before so Anyway, so that's how I started learning about Catholicism um, and very much fell in love with the church really quickly and just spent like, I mean, spent so much time just studying and learning and reading. And it was just really wonderful and really brought to light so many questions I had about my own faith um, and brought like kind of answers or just like new directions I could go with those questions. So, however, I still didn't know like too many Catholic women at the time when I went through RCIA and shortly after I was confirmed, you know, I like started to meet more and more Catholics, but I, I still had this sort of negative picture that like, once you're Catholic, if you're a woman, you have two paths for your life. You either become a nun and you throw your life away, which again, really, I didn't know any nuns uh, at that point. <laughs> no, I uh, thought the same no thing. Mistaken. I yeah. thought the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Do you guys know the song? It's by Death Cab for a Cutie, uh, Follow You Into the Dark, I think is the name mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's this line about Catholic schools, mm -hmm. uh, as vicious as Roman rule. Mm -hmm. I got my knuckles bruised by a lady in black. And I remember Nick and I listened to the song way before we ever started dating her. I was considering Catholicism. I was like, yeah, that's basically your faith, right? And uh, yeah, yeah, creepy <laughs> nun like, dogs. Yes, yeah. Yeah, uh, I know. Mean, mean nun teachers. So that was, that was like my idea of mm. what nuns were. Or you could be a stay-at-home mom and have just endless amounts of kids and you couldn't do anything else. So I thought, you know, mm. I really thought that the church was oppressive to women and like only just force these two paths of life onto women. Mm -hmm. You know, I learned more came to the church, knew enough to know that I'd been very wrong about everything uh, with Catholicism. So I figured there's more, a lot more here on women. And, you know, after that, so I was 19, a freshman in college when I came into the church. And then um, I started studying theology and philosophy in school and got acquainted with John Paul II's writings and just really started to see, you know, like I, I started to learn just reading about John Paul II's you know, call for a new feminism, his, his, in, in like his letter to women, he has like that wonderful litany of thank yous to women mm. at the beginning of the letter. Uh, in letter to women, there's an apology to, to women about the way in which like um, Catholics have, if they've participated in sexism and have, I, I promote sexist views on women. Um, he apologized for that. Uh, just learning, even this was a huge thing for me, especially because I was planning on getting married to my boyfriend at the time, but learning about like the Catholic understanding of marriage and mutual submission, which is very different than, you know, the, the view, the evangelical, traditional evangelical view that I grew up with, 
where, you know, there was like sort of a superiority to the role of the husband, to the role mm-hmm. of the woman. Mm-hmm. And John Paul II, I think, created this really um, strong desire in me to create some sort of space where we can see the diversity of ways in which women are called to holiness and are living it out. Mm. Kind of do what we see in the lives of the female saints of the church, um, mm. just the, mm-hmm. the great diversity in their stories um, and in who they are, and to be able to kind of like look at women today and create a space for them. So maybe this platform could reach someone, someone in my position um, where I was a few years ago, kind of wondering like, what does it mean to be a Catholic woman? Yeah, I think that's something that you do so beautifully with with the platform that you have. And um, that was actually one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about, too, was uh, this idea of fostering the sense of belonging by illustrating faces and vocations of women. I think that that's just like such a beautiful way to draw people in in a way that's like non-threatening, but um, illuminating. So just I don't know if you could just speak a little bit to maybe the uniqueness that you've encountered in some of the women or even um, the the five areas, the five ways you break up the yeah. the letters in the interviews and to receive, create, protect, lead and nurture. Like, how did you come up with those and how did you like start finding places to kind of really let people illustrate their stories in these ways? Yeah. To speak a little bit more to the illustrative nature, I guess, of, of our platform. Uh, you know, for me, I studied theology and philosophy and sometimes with theology can be abstract. Um And I love that. But I also know that like, it's so helpful to see actual examples of like what we're talking about. Yeah. Like, what Um, does this look like? What does this smell like? What does it taste like? Yeah, exactly. Um, I probably like like I I was kind of alluding to earlier, I probably carried that like nervousness that I had about like, what does the church actually teach about women, you know, into like after I converted sort of like just having these questions in my mind of like, what is this, what does this actually look like? Not really seeing like a ton of great examples around me necessarily. And when I say great examples, I mean like being able to see even just like the diversity of the lives of the saints. It was just very much like there was a lot of focus, like the community I was a part of after I converted on still a lot of focus on like, you know, physical motherhood, which is great. Being able to see again, yeah, like the diversity of which women are living out their vocations, I think is so helpful decided to to kind of go like a story angle with the Catholic woman and being able to do really feature feature stories um, and expressions of living this out. It has been so good. So the category ideas, you know, initially I was thinking with the categories, they would kind of represent the different life stages, I guess, even like with receptivity, receiving life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, these were initially in a different order um, when, when I first created them. So it linked together a little bit better. But yeah, receptivity, receiving life, um, creating life within you, um, like a, an abstract look at like the gestation period, creating life, nurturing life, protecting life, and then leading. It's sort of a look at what spiritual motherhood is, I guess, mm-hmm. was what I was kind of thinking. It sounds kind of physical too, though, right? Because it's like, you. I mean, I'm picturing the whole you know, beginnings of life, you know, of an actual person and the mothering that happens there. Um, So that's really like illustrated in that line, the way you Mm -hmm. explained it. Yeah. 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 I think I just wanted to organize it with the way, like what spiritual motherhood can look like. Um, Mm -hmm. So that, that was a part of it. And then simultaneously, you know, I had a desire to, to show that women are capable of living out all different types of virtues. Um, obviously, you know, there, there are some virtues in general that women seem to be a little bit like more naturally disposed to and same, same with men. We're 
able to live out all the different virtues. Um, they're not just some like that are exclusive to us. So I think each of those titles, they're not virtues in and of themselves, but they're more inspired by like different ways in which we care for life and care for each other. So mm-hmm. can yeah. you, um, in your own way, describe what virtue is? Because yeah. it's not a word that, I mean, it's a word we hear here and there rarely, yeah. maybe, but like, I think there's this longing people to, mm-hmm. to know, yes. to be virtuous but yes. it's like they don't have a context or a or a sense of what it is. Yeah, I suppose the pursuit of the good in different contexts. When I think about it, I often think about is virtus, you know, strength. So it's like a yeah. str- inner yeah. spiritual strength that we demonstrate in our living of our Christian life. And so it's kind of like that motivation inside you to, to pursue something that I always picture it, like not just going higher, you know, like sometimes we think of heroic virtue, like yeah. going higher, but it's also going deeper. So it's almost mm-hmm. like a, it's going like stretching us into ourselves and also expanding us upward and for the greater good. And so it yeah. connects to what you were saying about yeah. this pursuit of goodness and, and living goodness, but it's also like gets us down into who we really are yes. because we have to dig deep yeah. to be spiritually yeah. founded when things are crazy. Yes. Yeah. To add to that too, I, I feel like it's almost the proper ordering of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. I know I've always heard virtue is described in between two different vices. Mm-hmm which I actually found really hopeful, like when you hear about different vices, uh, different things like I personally will struggle with, and then thinking about how, you know, this base desire you might have uh, that is leading you to this vice can be corrected and properly ordered towards um, the life of virtue. Um, so it's something like you were saying, really natural to us and makes something that that makes us whole um, yeah. and brings us, brings us to God. And I think it also sets the tone for what this whole conversation is about and what the, yeah. the work that you're doing is about. It's about embracing what we've been given yes. and it's not a rejection. You know, sometimes I yeah. think in Christianity, yeah. we can be uh, like, have these ideas, even in our own growth and in the way we live is like, Oh, I gotta be good. So it's like, I got to turn off yes. these parts of me. And, yeah. and that's not necessarily the Catholic view. The Catholic view is wholeness, yes. integration, coming together, right ordering. That's like so hopeful as opposed to, oh, I got to shut off all these dials and be like off all the time. You know, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, it absolutely I is. I, I feel like that has been like uh, just becoming Catholic. I feel like that has been like one of the biggest spiritual shifts in, in like understanding my faith uh, that has happened over the, like the past 10 years of like actually understanding myself and my faith in terms of wholeness and not just yeah not just seeing myself as just completely broken but hey you know God's just gonna God's just gonna take care of everything else I think there's I I forget what Protestant theologian there was who said this uh the like pile of dung covered by white snow I think uh (laughs) going like going from from that viewing myself as the pile of dung covered covered in God's love to um, yeah, I see myself and as intrinsically good um, mm-hmm. and loved by God. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, just really yeah. cool. I think one of the things that, um, as I was reading your introduction to the book, Corinne, one of the lines that really stuck out to me 
was when you said womanhood from the church's perspective can't be reduced to a specific set of traits to which each of us must aspire. And that word aspire like really grabbed at me because it was like, yeah, sometimes I feel myself like grasping for something as if it's not already there, not already, you know, planted and to be cultivated and to allow Mm -hmm. God to do the work to like bring it forth, but that it's something I have to like reach outside of myself for. And that is so not the case. Mm. Yeah. I remember something you also said uh, in your journey, like how a big part of your seeking was seeking to be attractive, you know, and, and I think mm-hmm. it touches on that need that we have as women to be seen, mm-hmm. yeah. acknowledged to be just valued and reverenced for what we are. Yeah. But in that, sometimes in that grasping or in that trying to be seen, we can almost like, again, separate from ourselves, like you use the word objectification. Like I become an object to myself that I have to somehow fix or adjust or manage or whatever. And there's a, almost like that inner division then. And I'm always against myself, which is a sign of our fallenness, you know, in this feeling like almost separated from ourselves. How did you maybe experience a kind of a call to that integration, that wholeness, the, the acceptance, the openness? Yeah, that's a great question. John Paul II's writings, I think have been so important, so significant in that process of being able to understand womanhood, just myself as a woman, as a person, I think as, as more than, you know, the way I look or, or my success and, my achievements. I would say that starting the Catholic woman in part was out of this continual desire to be able to create a place that like that I could, I could be a part of um, and see like all of these different examples. Before starting the Catholic woman, I had come to actually like meet other Catholic women (laughs) and have close Catholic friends, which is huge. And even like one of my, one of my dear friends, Bethany is such a great example. She's like, I don't know, think of Joe Marsh and she's got the whole Joe Marsh uh, (laughs) personality and way of life. And she's just fabulous. And she's such a great example. I think, I think of just, you know, seeing different personalities women have and like that being okay. Um, And that being that being a good thing um, in a different way, which we can understand God. Yes, definitely had those encounters before mm-hmm. starting the Catholic woman. The Catholic woman was started in 2017. So this is four years after I converted to Catholicism. And I think I still wanted to understand, especially, you know, again, just to reiterate this, before I came into the church, I really thought that being a Catholic woman for me, especially because I thought I was called to marriage, I thought that this meant that maybe the church was going to say like, you have to be a stay at home mom and just have kids. And like, that is going to be your entire life. And you can't really do anything else other than that. Um, which, mm-hmm. you know, obviously that's not true. Um, though there are, there are people, plenty of people that believe that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I, I really wanted to learning about the feminine genius and the fact that like John Paul II says, like, this is something that can be brought into any, any calling in life. Um, this is something that's needed in every part of society. You know, I knew like, okay, so there's more here. And I don't think I was necessarily seeing like that. Like I said, there's such an emphasis on like physical motherhood or even like the beauty of being a stay at home mom, which is so true and so good. But I think I still wanted to see like, is this, is this really like, is this the only path that um, the church has allowed for women. So anyway, creating the Catholic woman for me, I think was like also just like a personal 
response to my own need of like wanting to see more diversity in the past that God calls women to you in the world. Um, and through the Catholic woman and, and through just like the different writers and through this book, I've gotten to learn about the saints. Mm-hmm. Like I really didn't know St. Joan of Arc or St. Hildegard's stories, uh, which mm-hmm. is incredible to me that I yeah. didn't learn them uh, at all. And mm-hmm. now, I, now I have, and I, I just think they're such profound witnesses to mm-hmm. the different mm-hmm. ways, you know, that women are living out there, their calls to holiness. So so anyway, uh, all this to say, I think all of the different letters we've gotten, the interviews we have, and just seeing all these different women who are in very different states in life, that's mm-hmm. just been such an encouragement to me and a consolation um, to my faith. The Catholic woman, I literally work on it every single day. It's probably impacted me potentially, you know, more than anyone else, um, just because I'm so intimately close to it. And I'm so grateful for it. It's been such a huge uh, source of peace, I think, in my faith and understanding, you know, what it means to be a woman and what it means to really accept ourselves and, and may, be made whole in God. Yeah. It's That's like, so it's like beautiful. you're opening the book for people. Like, instead yeah. of, you know, sometimes like these great saints, they're, they're, their lives are out there, but they're in these closed books on shelves somewhere. Yeah. And, um, and in a sense, what you're doing is you're opening the books and you're, yes. you're, you're telling the stories in ways that are, that are appealing and that um, are connecting to people that maybe would never pull one of those books off of a shelf and read them, yeah. you know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I like, I hear from people to you that like, that the lives of the saints, like seem so boring, even like from, from people who aren't yeah. Catholic. Um, uh-huh. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. you, I, I don't know how you, like if somebody has presented this to you in the wrong way, uh, the lives of the saints are so fascinating and so wonderful. Yes. And we have so much to learn from them. And, um, and we have so much to learn from each other today too. Yeah. So. Amen. In fact, yeah. Corinne, as you were talking about, especially like the uniqueness and diversity of, of the women. I was thinking often when we give uh, talks to, to like high school students or something, the question will come up, do you ever get bored? Or what's what's it like living with, with your sisters? And sometimes I want to say, I live with 80 women. Do you think I ever get bored? Like that's, <laughs> that's never boring, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And neither is it perfect. And there is a ton mm-hmm. of variety and a ton of diversity, even just within this one vocation and this one location. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. And I was thinking the other day when we had our sister's funeral that Sister Tracy was talking about in the beginning mm-hmm. of the episode, I was reflecting on the beauty of who she is and kind of that feistiness that yeah. that um, we were reflecting on a little bit. And I was just thinking, you know, I want to be more like her, but not in the sense of like wanting to emulate the way that she was. I want to be more so totally and unabashedly myself the way that she was, you know, and I think that the more that we're able to do that, the more we contribute to that diversity and the more that 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 invitation of the Lord to that integrity in the sense of like the wholeness of the person and the depth that you were talking about, Sister Tracy, like the more that that can become fully present as an invitation to others to do the mm, same. And yes. that's what mm. that's what this sister now has done for me. You mm-hmm. know, like her willingness to live so totally who she is is now an invitation for me to say, okay, Lord, now where am I not living that in everything that you've given me? And that's what I think that that your work, the letters, the interviews, the films, like mm-hmm. it's all so beautiful. You know, when you see like people's either school pictures or different kinds of portraits and you're like oh those are cute but then you see another one you're like I want that photographer you know like (laughs) I want them to be the ones Mm. to to figure out how the light should should shine on me and that's what I think you do so beautifully Corinne I think you have a charism for it of Mm. just like shining light in a particular way 
that helps people to shine in their in their unique way. Mm. So thanks, <laughs> thank you so much. Wow. Yeah, but it's but I'm hearing how that's coming out of your story that that would mm-hmm. be true. Mm-hmm. Yes, when I first started the Catholic Woman, I was a photographer. I've been a photographer for like I guess like probably about nine. <laughs> or I 10 knew years that, now. and I totally forgot it when I used that analogy. So <laughs> yeah, no, that's that, that immediately made me think of it. Uh, so uh, <laughs> you can tell the Holy Spirit's in charge of this whole thing. Yes, you, yes, obviously. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So when I started the Catholic Woman, you know, like I said, we publish letters, and I think we start when we started, we published just letters and films, and the interviews started to come later. Um, and my background at that point, I mean, I studied theology and undergrad, and then I, I was a photographer and I, I knew nothing about like editing. And honestly, like when I started, I wasn't like planning on being an editor. And then I've just sort of become one over the last few years, which has been really unexpected. Isn't that how life is? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's been so wonderful. Like I, I'm, I absolutely love editing. And honestly, I think editing has been like, um, probably I think out of this entire job probably like the biggest source of spiritual growth yeah you just get to sit down like there's sort of a ministry dimension to it um, of just getting to sit down and really like sit with someone's story and you know like be able to help them tell it especially you know I run the Catholic woman and I know that the certain type of women that we're trying to reach and the, the women we're trying to serve so trying to help them tailor tailor the story think in a way that would that would reach someone who may not feel totally like they belong in the church um, and like might really like have some questions about like, is there really a place for me here? Is this just like a church set aside for like certain types of women and certain types of men? So being able to like work with women and pray through letters and edit them, I think has been wonderful. And I, I just, yeah, it's been weird. I, I guess it, what's 2021. So I've about five years of being editor now and an amateur editor who loves loves editing it's 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 really wonderful so uh yeah yeah but I I definitely resonate with what you just what you just described I'm like bringing light to to women's stories yeah I really feel like that's like also a a beautiful way of describing this editing role you know I'm not the only editor on our team we have five volunteer editors and they all I think would probably say the same exact thing just even Mm -hmm. based off of our conversations recently Mm -hmm. We kind of started, I, I alluded to the term feminine genius. Yes. In the beginning. Yes. And, um, it would, you know, given the experiences that you've shared, um, yeah. how would you define it or, or describe it to the audience, to your friends out here? Yes. Okay. So, um, I, this is just like my favorite thing to study on. Cause I do, I feel like the way we use the feminine genius, like, in, in like the way a lot of, like, it's often talked about, it is. A, li- a bit elusive and uh doesn't I don't know it just sometimes it does seem like it's very much associated with like certain sets of traits and mm-hmm. uh I, I do think it's deeper and more than that so mm-hmm. um John Paul II uh when he uses the words femininity and masculinity he's not using those words to um you know describe like what we generally think of like masculine traits or feminine traits he's using it as a, as a philosopher and theologian is using them um, to describe basically just, I guess, the nature of womanhood and the nature mm. of um, manhood or being a man. So uh, sort of just like the lived experience of being a woman is what femininity is. It accounts for like uh, us having a soul and us being embodied persons. Mm. Um, I love I, that. Juicy, yeah. juicy. That's yes. so good. Mm. And embodied I, I think, person. yes, embodied, yeah, embodied persons. Um, mm-hmm. And you know that so to be feminine is just to be it's 
to be a woman. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of pulling from, if you guys know, Sister Prudence Allen, yes. if anybody's listening, yeah, she's Thank just you. wonderful, highly mm-hmm. recommend her work. She really like kind of fleshes out and summarizes like a lot of John Paul II's work. She's a philosopher and an historian. Um, and she's got this great trilogy called Concept of a Woman that highly recommend anybody who's interested to look it up. Anyway, so I'm, I'm kind of drawing from her work here with that idea in mind, like that femininity isn't just like oh, that's a feminine dress or, oh, she's got such a feminine personality. It's no, it's like the defining trait of womanhood. We can kind of carry that to this idea of the feminine genius. The feminine genius, I think as women, uh, all of us are so different and we all grow up in different settings. We're all, you know, raised in different social contexts and have different ideas about the world and are formed in different ways. So, you know, there's like definitely a subjective dimension to this, Mm -hmm. but in a more objective sense, each of us has the potential to carry life, whether that's actually carried out or not that you know physical disposition that it creates this sensitivity to the human person in women this uh, ability this unique particular disposition to the human person to to be attentive to human life mm-hmm. so if we want to embrace the feminine genius it means really just like embracing this disposition towards that we have to care for human life and i think like as catholics you know like this is basically I think embracing the feminine genius is essentially like embracing the gospel call to love our neighbors and to love God as women. Um, And we do this like in a uniquely feminine way where we are are, are caring for others in this feminine way. So embracing the feminine genius means like embracing this care for others and and living out spiritual motherhood, Um, living out like this call. It's like see every person as a part of this family, this family of God. So uh, yeah, I, I think it's just as simple as that. And that's kind of like a a very basic definition and it's not you know it's not like super uh, exciting but like that's the thing is like this can be carried out into any way of life um so yeah does that does that make sense <laughs> oh it yes. makes sense there's just okay, so great. much in there and it and is, you're right you're right that whole idea about openness and uh and receptivity to the person and mm-hmm. Um, one of the words that kept coming to me as you were sharing is another word that um, we don't use often, but we long for it. It's the yeah. the word reverence. Mm-hmm. Like what, as yeah. human beings, we have the capacity to reverence yeah. um, one another, to reverence the gift of ourselves and obviously yeah. to reverence God. Yeah. And that's a right ordering of mm-hmm. an expression of being human. Yeah. And I think what the feminine genius does is it allows or it has it's that capacity of reverencing the person in all of the person's forms and yes. and 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 doing that in a kind of a everyday ordinary kind of way which yes. I love that because you you put your finger on something that it's true it's it's not this completely convoluted definition of like oh it's all these parts and so basic you know uh what does it mean to embrace and cradle in a sense that the person in whatever form they are in exactly Um, yeah yeah I love that like the idea of cradling cradling yeah 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 that's so beautiful it is. Oh, we could talk cool. about this a long time. We could. Yeah, yes. <laughs> we really yeah, could. We could I, probably do like a whole series of episodes on this, honestly. I know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I really do think we need like this renewal of understanding, like of how we use the word feminine in the feminine genius. And like to be, Amen. yeah, I just feel like I think we as Catholics like have to like just be better at, at how we use that, be more specific. So we, mm-hmm. we are true to like this, this vision of gender and sexuality that, that we have. 
that that the church has. Yes. And as we talk, we hopefully are, you know, (laughs) like, like we can express with language, but also live um, with that virtue and reverence that we, that we are talking about, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because each of us actually incarnates it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I pulled um, the closing prayer from Mulieris Dignitatum, so I thought maybe we could oh, use that to close up the episode. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> I love it. That sounds great. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for all the manifestations of the feminine genius which have appeared in the course of history, in the midst of all peoples and nations. We give thanks for all the charisms which the Holy Spirit distributes to women in the history of the people of God for all the victories which the church owes to their faith, hope, and charity. We give thanks for all the fruits of feminine holiness. We ask at the same time that these invaluable manifestations of the Spirit, which with great generosity are poured forth upon the daughters of the eternal Jerusalem, may be attentively recognized and appreciated, so that they may return for the common good of the church and of humanity, especially in our times. As we meditate on the biblical mystery of the woman, we pray that in this mystery, all women may discover themselves and their supreme vocation. May Mary, who is a model of the church in the matter of faith, charity, and perfect union with Christ, obtain for all of us this same grace through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And Corinne, could you just let people know where they can find all of your wonderful work at? Yes. Uh, we are on Instagram. The Catholic Woman is on Instagram and Facebook. Just stop the Catholic Woman. Uh, and then you can find all of our, our work and find our book on our website, thecatholicwoman.com. Um, and I personally am also on Instagram and Twitter if you want to come hang out with me and be friends. Awesome. <laughs> Good. I'll do that. And Sister Benedicta, can you repeat uh, um, the information about the book? The information about the book, yes. The upcoming book is called A Place to Belong, and it is available for pre-order at paulinestore.com. All right. Well, thank you all so much, and God bless you. This has been a good blessing for this day. Amen. Amen. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is a fruit of the Daughters Project. This initiative of the Daughters of St. Paul to spread the gospel online is made possible by our generous Patreon supporters. Consider joining us in our mission by contributing to Patreon today. You can find us at thedaughtersproject.com and on social media at Daughter St. Paul. God bless you.